The thoughts and opinions on Just Some Podcast are of the hosts and guests and do not represent the views of organizations that employ them or they volunteer for. They are also not responsible for spontaneous black holes or nuclear wars that may occur. You have been warned. Welcome, 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 everybody, to another fun-filled and exciting episode of Just Some Podcast. This is Tom. Hey, this is Ben. Tom, man, how's it going, Ben? It is actually going swell. I, uh, I'm going into my days off, so that's always going to make you happy. And it was a relatively good uh, work week. So, I mean, good. hey, that, that's all. A couple weird things happened. Um, usually, they're spaced out a little more evenly. This week, they seem to clump together, but... Uh, you know, otherwise it was pretty good. How was your week? Not too bad. We're getting into our time of uh, well-child exams and school physicals and getting immunizations all caught up. And so I think the other day I had like eight or nine of those on my schedule for one day. And so it's been busy, but not bad. Not bad. Yeah. Same thing here. But again, it's like, okay, it hasn't been too terrible for me. So Ben, I think we need to let everybody know exactly uh, what's going on this episode. Go ahead, sir. Let them know. <laughs> let them know. Uh, <laughs> it was my dumb idea, so you're forking yeah, exactly. it back <laughs> Thank you. So, everybody, you know, um, we talk about the the whole team here at Just Some Podcast, uh, those slackers that we call Sam, Kyle, Jason, John, and Ben, sometimes Audra, uh, rarely Megan. Um you know, that is the JSP crew, but realistically, Ben does all the heavy lifting around here. And we just thought, hey, instead of Ben working tirelessly to help polish this show and uh, do massive amounts of editing, what if we just did an episode raw? No editing. As soon as we hit record, you guys are here in the feed and you guys get to actually hear what we do. All the little screw ups gloves, everything yeah exactly all all the little things in the background that ben so tirelessly works out of the uh episodes he's gonna leave in this time and we're gonna see if you guys love it great let us know we'll do more of them um i think it's gonna be fun because yeah now there's now we can't go back and be like hey uh maybe nope 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 that's in there nope so this is basically like a live podcast at least yeah there you go i mean yeah, so I, I we hope you liked it, and uh, we decided to do something fun since we were doing a Rob episode. Like, we don't want to do this on some serious subject where we have to have lots of data and we got to talk back and forth, etc. Blah blah blah. So we decided um, to review a movie. Yeah, so we wanted to kind of pay homage to to our buddies over at Pop Psych One Hundred and One, which is what they do. They look at mental health aspects in popular movies, TVs, books, things of that nature. And so we thought, you know what, let's kind of pay homage to them. We've had a busy month with mental health awareness. It was a very 
it wasn't a bad month by any means, but it was just lots of heavy information. And so we wanted something a little bit lighter and kind of more fun. And so we thought, let's pay homage to them. We're going to medically review a movie for this episode. Yeah, again, it was it was a great month, but lots of prep work and lining up guests and, you know, time constraints. And so we just decided, screw it. Let's just do what we want to do. So we reached out. We did some polling, uh, mostly on Facebook, I believe. And for some reason, there is a lot of people that want to see us. Uh, we got lots of movies, but I think overwhelmingly, it seemed like Flatliners from 1990 uh, was a movie. Everybody was like, you guys really need to take a look at this yeah and you know for complete transparency i had not seen this movie before and everybody was like what you've never seen flatliners i'm like no because honestly i thought it was uh very similar to the other movie that kevin bacon was in that was like tremors or something like that where it's like the underground animals that come up and attack them like through earthquakes i just assumed flatliners was a very similar type movie i didn't realize it was anything medical um until i have watched it for us to review it now no, I loved this movie. Um, I'll be fair, though. When I watched it, I was obviously much younger, and I haven't watched it in years, certainly not since I've had any medical training. So I was just sitting there like, oh, God, like, what the hell? The premise of the movie, and we're going to talk about that when we get into the actual meat of the episode, is great. So we're, we're going to have some fun with it. But, yeah, it. It's kind of a, a disaster, pretty much, <laughs> from a medical standpoint of view. But 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 before we get into that, Tom, we yes, we, uh, we have several things we have to talk about. <clears throat> and um, Jason, I, I, I want to say something to Jason because I know he's going to well, listen to this. Just a second. Just a second. What? OK. I, I told you I had something planned. I, OK, I'm sorry. So, Jason. We didn't mean to forget you and not give you the shout out for helping us to hit hashtag Mission Antarctica. We know that your feelings were deeply heard, and that was certainly not the intention of Tom nor I. So we just wanted to say that we're sorry, and we just, you know, we appreciate you, buddy. Tom, do you got anything to say? Jason... I can only express the deepest condolences from the bottom of our hearts. Uh, how dare we ever disgrace your memory by not acknowledging the powerful influence you have at JSP. Um, and, and just what dog shit of us to, to do such a terrible thing as to not talk to you. I hope you're laughing now, but in all honesty, Jason, it was amazing. It was totally mea culpa. I, I was so excited, and we had a guest, and we were doing so. I messed up, Jason. It's 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 on me. And so Ben came up with uh, a little little something for you, and uh, we just wanted to express how sad we were that we didn't give you the proper and and in all honesty. We do like people when they interact with us. And Jason went out of his way to yeah. kind of do something for us. So absolutely. So we do realistically want to say thank you and thank you to everybody that listens and writes to us, etc. Um, 
But at the same time, damn, bro, <laughs> he he messaged me and literally was not happy. <laughs> so <laughs> but I think we made up for it. I had I found some uh, music and we'll give a shout out to the uh, producer of that at the end of the show. And I thought yes, the music was, was, you know, it was it was needed. And I felt that that was uh, the appropriate response for forgetting him because we do appreciate him helping us get Antarctica. So. All right, and you had another shout-out you wanted to give, sir? Yeah, so uh, a new listener, Chris, I know you're out there. I know you're going to hear this episode soon. He reached out to us, and he really uh, enjoyed the podcast. Um, he did, in particular, like – well, I shouldn't say like. I don't know how I would describe it, actually. Uh, the Kidney Stones episode, he says he usually listens to podcasts about murder and stuff like that, like those type true crime. And he said he actually had to shut it off. <laughs> And through his phone because he was so grossed out by listening to someone discuss uh, kidney stones. Chris, I do believe, is not in any sort of medical health care field. So he was not prepared for some of the things he heard. So, Chris, well, uh, big ups to you. Um, welcome, and I'm glad you're listening to the show. Yeah, we appreciate it. But if you're interested in reaching out to us, you can find us on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, or YouTube all at Just Some Podcast. Or you can find us on the web. We're at www.justsomepodcast.com. You can also find us on our podcast hosting station. That is justsomepodcast.libsyn.com. And we're also on Helium Radio. Helium Radio After Dark, because of Tom's mouth. Helium Radio After Dark. That's their channel, too. Thursday nights, 9 p.m. Eastern, 8 Central. See, that's normally the stuff that I would edit out because it was just to make Tom laugh. But you know what? You get to hear it. You yeah. can also, oh, if you like this episode, admin at justonpodcast.com. Email us, let us know. Tom, what else can they do to help us out? Well, first of all, they can forgive Ben and all his trespasses <laughs> for making fun of me on the Raw episode. Then they can rate us and review us on any of those social media sites that they just heard about. They can go to our website. They can scroll to the bottom. There's an Amazon affiliate link. Click on that, and then they can continue shopping like nothing ever happened. And those proceeds from Amazon help go to the show, which then we put back into our uh, broadcasting and episodes. So we appreciate everybody that does that. Um, there's another... um. I'm doing it again. Yeah, All right. Fuck it. So Don't yeah, forget, and I am got... I am directly the reason we're probably on Helium <laughs> After Dark. So that's that's legit. It's okay. Don't forget you also can find all of our merchandise on our online store. It's on our website, justonpodcast.com. Up at the top, you can click online store, take show, or get you some words are hard, which you're probably gonna hear a lot of during this episode. Get you some words of hard merchandise and just some podcast merchandise. We are the most okayest podcast ever. And we'll roll from there, Tom. Man, I think we're going to have a lot to talk about. I think we're going to skip stories. Let's just jump right into this episode and let's pay homage to our, our buddies over at Pop Psych and let's medically review the 1990 psycho thriller Flatliners. Yeah, so, well, it is going to be medically reviewed, but, I mean, you can't talk about the movie without including all of it, because it's not right. just about medicine. So, I'm going to kind of lay it out there for those of you that have not seen Flatliners. Flatliners, a movie made in 1990, as we already said. It's starring Kiefer Sutherland, Julia Roberts, Kevin Bacon, Oliver Platt, and Billy Baldwin. Um, Which, if you weren't around in the 90s, that's like an all-star cast. Yeah, that's like the, you know... The B plus uh, Rat Pack right there. 
yeah, I mean, that is a, those five composed probably 20% of every movie made in the early 90s. So easily that's an all star cast. Uh, the premise of the movie is roughly it's five medical students who decide that. Well, I shouldn't say that. Kiefer Sutherland spearheads this little venture. It True. ends up being yes. all five of them involved. And what it is is Kiefer decides to advance science because, um, you know, he's a studious medical student. And he decides, I'm going to die, like controlled, kill myself. And you guys are going to bring me back so I can see what's on the other side. Like he wants to die for 30 seconds, see what happens, and then come back. Which, as we kind of talked a little bit pre-show, is kind of an interesting premise. No, absolutely. I mean, the premise of the movie is, I think, fantastic. Like, that's really cool. It was the uh, medical acumen that I was like, whoa, what just happened in this train wreck when I was watching it? And, you know, you got to figure out, you know, well, the reason that Kiefer Sutherland had to get everybody else involved is, I mean, you know, if you're going to commit murder, you don't want to do it by yourself. I mean, you want to have a group of friends with you. That way, you know, you can all be responsible for it, right? Yeah, I love that part where he, at one point in the show, he hands them a letter. He's like, this absolves you. And the the nerdy guy, Oliver Platt, was like, um, this doesn't do shit. So yeah, that's, that's pretty much, yeah. Yeah, pretty much. By the way, uh, for some clarity, uh, just so you know, we will not be referring to them as the characters, just the actors. Because like I have no idea what Kiefer Sutherland's character name was, but we all know who Kiefer Sutherland is. So we're just going to say the actor's name, except for the name of one character to be named later so we'll we'll get to that yeah that's funny so we'll get to that in a second so the other half of the movie so the the first half is all oh, these guys are going to get together and they're super awesome special medical students and apparently this medical school has no security whatsoever because these guys are just running around doing shit and stealing medical equipment left and right exactly like but, how are they not missing the medical equipment first off like how are you able to take Significant portions of medical equipment to a room that is uh, anyway. Well, hold, yeah, hold, yeah, we're gonna get to that here in a second. We'll, we'll talk about that here in a second. Um, the other half of the movie, though, and this plays a part in all the notes because it. I mean, we talk about this. Is that once they die, once they go to the other side, and it, and it's neither heaven nor hell, so you don't have to worry about anything like that. Um, but once they see the afterlife, when they come back, things come back with them. Like their greatest, what they consider their greatest sin. They talk about that, um, though that's that's rarely what I would call any of those things. But that comes back with them, and they have to deal with them once they're alive again. So that's what makes it cool. Like, oh, you just didn't get. It's not just like yeah, that'd be a thirty minute show. It'd be a documentary. I killed myself. I came <laughs> back. You know, end of, end of story. But when they come back, things come with them. So they have to deal with those consequences. And. Um, then pretty much, I mean, I don't want to say the word hilarity, but I'm going to use that. The code scenes in this movie are pretty hilarious. If you have any involvement whatsoever in the medical field or have ever been involved in a code or a trauma, you will sit back and just go, what the hell did I just watch? Right. Yeah. <laughs> the uh, the code scenes are quite interesting, but that's really not how it starts. I mean, we get a... <laughs> yeah, it starts off with a bang. <laughs> yeah, uh... Kevin Bacon and his uh, amazing 1990s hair. Uh, oh, it was it was lady ready. It wasn't it though. It was like oh yeah, buddy. 
So there's a, you know, kind of looks like maybe a scene from maybe an ER or something along that line where they're just kind of ruling this patient in and he uh, decides to kind of go into business for himself. It starts with him wrestling a crack addict patient with another doctor. I was like, yeah, two doctors in one room, whatever. That's already like strike one. Okay. But the other doctor is like, go get help. So Kevin Bacon bails, runs down the hallway, and then decides that he sees three people pushing a gurney with a patient and nobody asks for any help. And he just decides to interject. Like, what's going on? He's trying, he's trying to be helpful. You know, he's that eager medical student at that point. So they uh, get this patient into a room. The hallways in this hospital are very dimly lit. Uh, and the room's be- dimly lit. Yeah. Like, is this I like don't a, think they- a hospital? Yeah. It's like, is this a hospital or is this like a graveyard? We're like, what the hell is going on with this place? Yeah, there's like six people in this entire building. <laughs> What's going on here? And it's all so, huge. Every building is huge. Like there's these massive buildings and there's like four people in it. Including, let's just sidebar there for a second. Kiefer Sutherland's apartment. Oh my God. Holy Every one of their shit. apartments. Every well, person minus, in this apartment. Well, minus uh, Kevin Bacon. I don't think his was that all that great but it like was an entire like building. A damn mansion yeah okay yeah we'll talk about I may that. Have missed yeah. that yeah it was an entire building so yeah so flash flash forwards here again he decides to interject interject himself into these three people pushing this innocent patient going down a hallway and he's like what's wrong and they're like looking at him like we didn't ask you but since you said something uh her blood pressure is 90 over 60 that's it. Which, That's all the information you know. he has. <laughs> and so what does he do for blood pressure 90 over 60? Well, let's just get in there and start cutting her open. Yeah. So he drags her into a room, like stops her, doesn't even ask where she's going. Like she could have been going to dialysis. He doesn't know what the hell. She had no idea where this chick's going. Yanks her into a room, pulls out a fat 10 blade scalpel and just basically stabs her. Like What? <laughs> Well, perhaps he was concerned that her blood pressure was too low and he wanted to uh, raise it by stabbing her by causing some painful stimuli. Let's go with that answer. What do you think? For those of you out there um, that are not medical field, (laughs) 90 over 60 is a perfectly sustainable blood pressure. Um, Its map is over 70. And never mind the fact he just completely blew Falcon, that other doctor who's now still wrestling a crackhead. So let's not forget that. Okay. (laughs) Because I tell you right now, if I'm in a room wrestling a crackhead and you just leave and don't come back, I'm going to find you next. All right. So, So there's that. Here's the thing. So, yeah, he did blue fog on that doctor, and we never see that doctor again. So I'm just going to make the assumption that that crackhead killed him. That's <laughs> possible. Um, yeah. Kevin Bacon I decides mean, to know. run himself stab fest 1990 and just leaves that dude out in the wind. Like, damn, Kevin Bacon. So <clears throat> Kevin Bacon gets in trouble for this, gets suspended from school, which legitimately so. I mean, you're. Randomly cutting off people with normal blood pressures for no apparent reason. Yeah, I have no idea what's going on. By the way, that's three minutes into the movie. Like, all that happens in three minutes. So, What what happens, Tom? Well, okay, so... How does does Kevin Bacon get away? Well, okay, so the next thing, next scene comes up, and this is important because now they're introducing Kiefer Sutherland's uh, uh, character. So he shows up, 
And instead of like, you know, like a normal human being calling or knocking on the door, he's yelling up to Kevin Bacon, who's in the second floor window of his massive building. That's his entire apartment, which I'm still like, what the hell? And while they're standing there talking, and I will point out Kiefer Sutherland at this point, this is probably one of the most accurate parts of the movie, is explaining to Kevin Bacon why he got suspended, and rightly so. And Kevin Bacon's like, nah, fuck this. Climbs out the window, second story, and rappels down the side of the building. At which point, which he gets into his giant two and a half ton used military truck. And they live in a city. Like, does anybody who designed this set? So I'm going to have to assume a few things here, Tom. Number one, maybe the staircase is out well, in his building. Oh boy. Number two, he's got to be ex-military. Like, he's repelling. He's got this military vehicle. Maybe he was dishonorably discharged from the military for cutting random people in the military. Hell, we don't know, but... The repelling, I thought, I one of the few scenes that I genuinely kind of laughed at. I'm like, why <laughs> yeah. the hell? Like, there's no explanation for it. It's just he's just yeah. repelling he down the damn repel- okay. and not just uses a rope. He literally attaches a harness and repels out of the side of his building while still arguing with Kiefer Sutherland. So that's not medical. That's just hilarious. Okay, so you gotta watch. Like, why is he doing that? So next up is. Uh, you see on screen uh, Julia Roberts, everyone's favorite hooker of the 90s. She's a unicorn hooker, too. Like, it's her first day, and she's beautiful and not on drugs. Like, if you're going to find a hooker, that's the hooker you want to find, okay? <laughs> and she's taking care of some elderly patient. And, wow. And as funny as that statement I just said was, and it's true, everybody out there will agree with me, that's true. Um what is likely the saddest and one of the realest most moments of the movie then happens. Julia Roberts is taking care of an elderly patient who knows she's dying and she's preparing for death. And she literally looks at Julia Roberts and says, please don't let them bury me on a Saturday because it costs 150 extra dollars for funeral services on a Saturday. And I'm like, holy shit. First of all, think about how sad that is for just a minute. Let that rattle around in your brain. And then second of all, yeah. how screwed yeah. up is it that that was in 1990 and things likely have not changed at all in 2019? Yeah. Um, that's that, that's a long, I'm, hard thinking yeah. and fucked up situation. <laughs> that's what that is. Oh, my God. All right. So, Ben, what happens after but- that? Let's get into the actual, like, you know, what the actual, you know, the name of the movie is, the Flatliners. So, you know, as you had kind of alluded to earlier, Kiefer kind of has this plan to kill himself tastefully and uh, have his friends bring him back to life. Also, because he wants to see what's on the other side. This doesn't take place in a hospital, mind you. Somehow, they steal all this equipment and they go into some building under renovation. That looks like it's out of Bruce Which, Wayne's basement because it's like Art Deco and Gothic style architecture everywhere. It's the size of an auditorium, but nothing else is there. I'm assuming it has to be part of the medical school somewhere. Uh, you know, maybe it's a building they're redoing. I don't know. They had construction tape and shit up on the outside. Yeah, well, so. that all plays a factor here in a, later on in the movie. <laughs> so, okay, so then go on. So we decide that we're going to kill himself so he goes over the plan with everyone 
and you got to have someone recording it, you know, because when you're going to kill your best friends, you know, you want to make sure that you have good video documentation of such. <clears throat> or I guess if you're trying to do a medical experiment of seeing what's on the other side, I guess you want to have documentation of that as well. So he goes over his medically sound checklist. So we're going to use some chilled D5W. We're going to cool him down to 86 degrees. Arbitrary. We're going to use the... <laughs> they're going to use the cooling blanket, which also is a hypothermia, hyperthermia system to cool him down to this 86 degrees. Once we get there, we're going to light him up and let him ride the lightning. 200 joules. I'm going to try to stop his heart. They're going to watch him for a certain amount of time. And then they're going to bring him back. Yeah, to they, life. they decide this first, uh, dip into the underworld they're going to go for 30 seconds and then he gives very specific uh instructions to the fuck sticks that are wandering around there and he's like okay then you're going to slowly and i don't know why the emphasis on slowly slowly warm him up and give him one cc of adrenaline and then bam defib him again blammo keep her side of his life that's the whole plan but tom if they're going to do this, I mean, you want to have something to at least enjoy the ride on the way out, right? So what are we going to do? We're going to hook him up with some nitrous, too, because we all got that yeah, laying around. Exactly. And at this point, I was wondering, is there one technical advisor on this entire movie that had anything to do with it? And there actually was. I did research it. They did have a technical advisor. Yeah, well, I don't even know if legally we should say this. <laughs> to go over all the to go over the medical aspects of. Uh, the EEG, EKG, because they did hook him up to the EEG to also monitor his brain waves to uh, wait for him to be officially brain dead before they decide to bring yeah, him back. Yeah, uh, which they incorrectly hook up. They incorrectly hook up the EKG leads. Um, so they they do this monkey shit plan, and somehow Kiefer Sutherland dies because none of that should have killed him <laughs> religiously, you know, honestly. And they defib him, and... Yeah, instead of just screaming at him like, you just defibbed me, <laughs> he dies. Because in real life, he would have just been like, ow, that really sucked. <laughs> Don't do that again. But, you know, he's dead for movie purposes. And I, I want to point purposes, out, yes. uh, at this point forwards and for the rest of the movie, I was completely jealous. Because it was always my dream during codes to manually defib somebody. So for those out there that have never worked a code or the non-healthcare people, we have these things. Uh, I, I don't know if this is a brand name. We just call them stat pads. Like there's these huge dinner plate sized, big, thick, sticky pads that we put on your chest and on your side and then we connect that to the machine, right? So in the movies, the thing you see them sliding their hands together, those are actually just big sticky pads in real life. But... They do keep a manual set on the back of those life packs or zoles for emergencies. Yes, they do. And yes. literally, I would beg somebody to let me. Well, when you got the call out, like priority one trauma arrest or something like that coming in, I would like, please let me be this be the day. And they would never let me. But I I was always prepared to pull out those manual defib paddles. And so I just think it's uh, a good thing to tell them, like, I really want to do that. I was jealous every time I saw them make someone they gun somebody up i was like man i wanted to do you never wanted to do that oh no i absolutely did yeah i think everybody wants to do it i always want yeah, everybody wants to do the yeah. manual I just yeah, at least exactly. once. all right so yeah so <laughs> well yeah. so they kill yeah. him and uh 
they stand there and, and kind of look around and, and watch him be dead. Which, I mean, I guess, rightfully so, I guess if you just killed a man, you'd probably kind of stand there befuddled as well. Um, okay, true. Especially someone who, I mean, you know, I, that would be kind of an odd, odd situation to be placed in. So after they stand around for a little bit, they decide, well, you know what? He's been brain dead for a good 30 seconds. We should probably go ahead and start the second half of the plan, which is bringing him back to life. And Tom, what did they use to do that? Well, Julia Roberts, in all her infinite wisdom, decided to start off with sodium bicarb. No epi, no anything else. By the way, there's no O2 or bagging going on at this point or CPR. She just pushes sodium bicarb. Well, after he starts breathing, they give him some oxygen. I mean, they were at least nice, you know, enough for that. <laughs> yeah, well, yeah. Post, post arrest. Ah, we should air this dude up a little bit like a flat tire. So they uh, do the CPR. And so I was doing some research, Tom. You know, we were talking, we want to talk medically about this show. Uh, well, first off, let's just say their technique was shit. Um, <laughs> they weren't, which uh, granted, you know, you're doing simulated CPR, you're not actually like on a dummy and it's not, you know, you're trying not to to crack ribs. We could at least make it look like we were trying to to, you know, push the chest down a little bit. But the ratio that they were using was five to one. Which at the time for two person CPR back in the nineties, that was the correct ratio that they used. So they at least had that part correct. Okay, I will give you that first of all, I didn't know that. Yeah. Okay, so Okay, there you go. Check. Thank you on that one. But honestly, the technique, I, I can even give them fake Hollywood. Okay, like, okay. Like you said, we're not trying to really break Kiefer Sutherland's ribs, but they were like literally counting like one, two. I was like, holy shit. Like <laughs> nothing was going on. I was like, this dude's really dead. If this is CPR and uh, Baldwin is doing his uh, compressions, he's dead, man. Well, let's so, just, there's that. And Tom, I'm just curious. And you know, you and I are both ER uh, nurses, and we've done CPR probably hundreds of times. How many times, when you do CPR, have you immediately had the patient sit up and be in an ability to just kind of walk out of the hospital, like, "Hey, everything's fine now. Thanks, guys. You saved me." Yeah, like Kiefer Sutherland is totally Johnny in the spot. Like, let's go get an espresso, 65 normal sinus rhythm. Exactly. Yeah, uh, they're like, oh, and they, they don't check his vitals, like his blood pressure, until they're at the like Chinese and like Chinatown or wherever the hell they were at. Yeah. Yeah. yeah like, by the oh. way, when there's no medical equipment in the back of that ginormous truck, they decide to check his blood pressure and stuff. Yeah. I, so, you know, there's maybe some not realistic aspects there with uh, CPR, but I guess it really wouldn't help the movie any if he had to lay in bed for another couple of weeks recovering from his experience i'm not even talking a couple of weeks but maybe a couple hours no give him a bag of uh give him a bag of uh normal saline get do something jesus crime a netless <clears throat> like it literally was oh guys that was something let's go get some mugu guy pan yeah, and then right. they like left like what the hell is going on around here i did see one person uh sit up post arrest okay. oh okay i'm um, not but well it was also after a large dose of narcan uh. and that dude sat straight up and i was like 
I even remember, and I remember it so vividly because of what you just said. Uh, that doesn't happen. So like we all looked around, and I was like, "That did that shit just happen?" Because that just happened. Like I didn't know what else to say. I was like, "Holy shit, man!" So, so yeah. So so well, back to the movie. Gotcha. Yeah. Right. So Kiefer <laughs> does have some visions while he's brain dead. And he does tell all his friends about this and kind of explains it. And so then it kind of becomes a a game of Russian roulette of who can stay dead the longest. So we get into the kind Correct. of this, this bidding war of, oh, yeah, well, I'll be dead a minute. I'll be dead a minute 20. And then it's like whoever wins gets to, you know, be the next contestant on Ride the Lightning, um, which ends up being Billy Baldwin. Correct. So Mr. Baldwin, and uh, this all plays into the movie later, so you, you need to know a little bit about it right now. He's a pretty boy, and he's a superstar medical student, and he has a real penchant for sleeping with women that aren't his fiance and videotaping it against their knowledge. Yeah. Not medically, uh, not medically part of the show, but like, wow, douchebag <laughs> alert right yeah. there. Like, okay, gotcha. That he's part, not a good guy. That part really doesn't age well with... Uh... No, no, I thought about that. You imagine pitching that in a movie nowadays? Yeah, that's probably yeah, not real well. Yeah. Ooh, yeah, no. <laughs> so he, he Hell, wins. I'm a little worried talking about it. <laughs> so he wins the lottery. They kill him in the exact same fashion that they killed Kiefer. He said they leave him out a little bit longer, and then they bring him back to life in the same way. Now, I will say one of the things that I did research, Tom, the metatherm, which is what they're using to cool them down and, and warm them back up, that is a real medical device. I did check into that. It is a hypothermia, hyperthermia blanket. However, it's two blankets, one on bottom, one on top. It has water running through it, which is how they warm the body or cool the body. Not the cool little electric lights that light up whenever, you know, blue for we're going to freeze them and red for we're going to warm them up. That yeah, more that's Hollywood effect. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, I uh, and we talked about this a little bit pre-show is I've actually done hypothermia protocols on people in ICU. And again, this whole just turn the knob all the way down and we'll make them 86 degrees in like 45 seconds. No, that's just not how this works, nor does warming them up like a baked chicken in a microwave work either. Like it just you don't raise them. Now, you can do it quickly, I guess. I'm sure there's some new technology out there, but realistically no we are not freaking do that i do know of uh keeping one of the trauma centers i worked at we did keep uh, warmed bags of saline for hypothermia patients but even then you're still not you know put them on 30 seconds ding they're warm <laughs> like it just doesn't work like that and the other portion that they don't show in the movie which we're just going to have to assume happened because they were monitoring body temperature was the way that the uh, this hypothermia, hyperthermia blanket works as far as to display the patient's temperature is one of two temperature probes, one either rectally or one as a Foley. So we're going to have to assume that they got a tube shoved somewhere in order to adequately yeah. monitor their, their body temperatures. However, let's <coughs> get back to to the rest of the movie. So this is kind of where this starts getting into the uh, the this psycho thriller kind of portion of things because what happens after they start coming back to life you like you said earlier you alluded to the their sins kind of come back with them as is what they say but they start kind of hallucinating and some some things start happening to 
the two of them that have already been dead. So, you know, Kiefer starts seeing things. Kevin yeah. starts seeing so, things. Well, Kevin, Kevin's about to die. Kevin, Kevin Bacon hasn't died yet at this point. But Kiefer Sutherland starts seeing glimpses of a little boy named Billy Mahoney that he was involved in an accident with when he was a child. And then Baldwin in the lamest sin yes. comeback of all time just starts seeing visions of the video sex tapes he had. I was like, so his punishment is to watch him having sex with beautiful women. <laughs> like, okay. Yeah, that's terrible. So well, that's what happens when you're a Baldwin brother in Hollywood. That is true. <laughs> So they know something's going on, but they think they're crazy at this point, right? So they don't tell anybody. Kevin decides, Kevin Bacon's Mr. I'm an atheist and I'm a skeptic, and I don't think you guys are really seeing anything. So he wants to take the deep dive. Right, which at this point is probably the the most legitimate reason for wanting to do this, because Kiefer was to do to be famous. Um, Billy Baldwin's was to be famous. And... Kevin Bacon's is like, at least he has a, a legitimate excuse for wanting to do it. Yes. I, well, at least as a control subject, I guess you could say that right. in this in this case. Though he does kind of do it in a weasel dick method, like him and Julia Roberts are arguing back and forth, so he just keeps outbidding her. And she, you turns out later on, has a pure reason as well, but it's not related to the group. Like, everybody else is doing this to be famous or something, and she's doing it for herself, so you don't find that out till later. Right. But the point is, is he kind of pisses her off. He pisses in her Wheaties and then he takes the deep dive for a longer period of time now because <clears throat> they, they keep extending it out each time. So, again, he they use the exact same techniques for CPR. We've already kind of hammered that to death. So yeah. we, <laughs> yes, we can leave that alone. What? Oh, my God. I don't want to, though, because it, it's horrific. It's like it watching really, a slow motion car wreck. Like every time you're like, oh, God, this again. So, all right. So they do all that. Um, but I mean, uh, Kevin Bacon's trip's not really much different. Like he goes under and he sees visions of him saying uh, mean things to another person in like grade school. Like that's right. that's your sin is you were you were a jerk. You're mean. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. No, that's powerful stuff, Kevin Bacon. Now, now here's where Kiefer, poor Kiefer. Poor, poor Kiefer. <laughs> so as you alluded to, you know, Billy Baldwin sends, you know, he's his tapes are popping up everywhere on TVs and, you know, like in the, the student lounges and stuff. It's not actually there, but that's what he's seeing. Um, you know, Kevin is having flashbacks to this young woman that he was uh, verbally abusive to in school. Keepers, you know, his takes it a step more. He uh, he, he kind of starts getting his ass whipped, right, Tom? Yeah. So, <laughs> Kiefer's little buddy, um, who I I found a variety of names when I was writing the show notes for this, and they all cracked me up. I like uh, <laughs> Billy Knuckle Duster Mahoney is one of the ones I like to call him. There, he uh, he he straight dots <laughs> Kiefer Sutherland a couple times. Like it breaks from hallucination to he actually bust Kiefer Sutherland in the nugget a few times with his fist. And when they show up 
to deep dive Julia Roberts. They're like, dude, you're bleeding from your face. He's like, oh, yeah, I got mugged because he doesn't want to tell anybody. He thinks he's still crazy. Right. So like, oh, my God, because before it was just like, I think I'm crazy. And then he got sack of rocks ass whooping (laughs) from Billy, from Billy Mahoney. And Billy Mahoney ain't playing. Billy Mahoney was straight (laughs) ass clapping Kiefer Sutherland there a little bit. So I'm just saying it's legit. So now, and now, yeah, Kiefer, now he's freaking out. So, but here's the kind of the dick part of Kiefer Sutherland is he doesn't mention this to anybody. Yeah. So this, I mean, he doesn't because he's basically withholding this information. Yes. While these other people are continuing to take this run. And if you, it's kind of a dick move, major dick move. And then on top of that, if you've ever wondered why do we have IRBs in research projects, <laughs> this is why, <laughs> because this dude withheld information that would have directly influenced her decision to you know, die. So, but right. Cause most people wouldn't have been like, no, I don't want to get my ass kicked by my memories. <laughs> I don't think I'm going to take this. <laughs> I don't think I'm gonna take this run. Yeah. Like, I don't want a little dude coming at me and just straight giving me the left jab for five rounds. Like it's not, it's not pleasant at all for Kiefer. Now, granted, nobody else is having these problems, which again, weak ass writing, like, come on movie people. So Kiefer asks, Kiefer Sutherland is having a legitimate like movie moment. Like he, the whole movie could have been Kiefer Sutherland at this point because nobody else was doing shit because man, Billy Mahoney, that dude holy cow man he was going for the title belt like i mean he was he was taking it to Kiefer. so so all right so go back forwards julia roberts this is another part where the movie diverges and i actually think she has a very fucked up sin uh even though it's not her sin yes like when you think about it like why why did that happen so julia roberts but in her mind it is true okay so what happens is julia goes under and her vision is of her father coming home from Vietnam and she walks in and him walks in oh, damn it walks in on him in the restroom and he's shooting up heroin and the father is so distraught from doing that and his little girl seeing him that he goes out and kills himself so Julia Roberts hangs on to this guilt that maybe if she hadn't walked in on her dad he would still be alive, which that is which there was a portion of this. That is that that's just mentally. That's a mental fuck up. Right. I mean, I can't imagine being a little kid seeing that and then feeling that my whole life like that legitimately was like, oh, man, like that's terrible. Well, and there was that one portion where her mom or you assume it was her mom is like looks at her and says, this was your fault. So, I mean, that's why she's holding on to well, that. that kind of cemented it right there. So. Julia, back to back, that's a mental health thing. Maybe we should have got Micah in for that part. Um, but back to the the physical medicine part is all of a sudden they're like, okay, Julia Roberts has hit her depth time. We got to bring her back. And if you've also ever wondered why there's Jayco or OSHA, here's why. So never mind the fact that they're doing this bullshit medical procedure in an abandoned building to start with. Apparently. You know, for medical accuracy, they just left some open electrical boxes. And for some other unknown reason, there is rain inside the building and it gets into the electrical boxes. And shocker, no pun intended, all the electricity goes out. <laughs> but uh, yeah, exactly. I didn't mean it like that. All electricity goes out. Which I really, ex- which I really expected at this point because I seen as soon as the the water was pouring down on the box, I'm like, oh, they're not going to be able to bring her back. 
Like that was what I was anticipating happening. Yeah. Was this is where it's going to go off the rails. It's one of those, guess what happens moment. Yeah. That's what happened. Like you, you you didn't have to be M night Shyamalan to figure out what was about to happen next. When you saw the 10 second close up of an electrical box with water running over it. So I, I will say I I thought the same thing the first time I watched it. And I, I obviously knew otherwise now, but yeah, like, oh, shit, bad stuff's about to happen. Before they lose electricity, though, they do try to bring her back with the battles. <laughs> yeah. And, well, first off, it's it's the only female in the in the cast, so she is wearing her bra because, you know, Julie Roberts, she's yeah. not. Yeah, she's not. Dead. Yeah, there's no booby on Julie Roberts in a movie. No. So they uh, place the paddles over her not actually on her and i guess try to electrify her yeah i don't think that's gonna work in some way shape or form uh the other thing that i kind of chuckled about here was i was like wow so that looks like an underwire bra and we're gonna shoot electricity through it so someone's gonna take take care of those those booby burns later oh yeah because she's gonna have a nice u-shaped one under each boob now from that thing pretty much yeah i mean and i also like the randomness uh they just start calling out numbers i need 200 joules i need 360 joules i need 300 joules i'm like does anybody have a damn clue of what's going on again at this point i'm screaming just one technical advisor just one fucking technical advisor somewhere around this place so they also oh so they decide how about the medicine so, so they decide because they're having trouble bringing her back because they have no electricity and they have piss poor CPR. Uh, they actually, and they're not bagging her now. They're just actually doing full on mouth to mouth, which I think Kevin Bacon just wanted to make out with her. And but anyway, yeah. Um, so they decide that they're going to give her Bertillium, which is an actual antiarrhythmic drug. It is. But she's in a systole. Like they all have been. And they decide that if, you know, they're because that's like, the, you know, that emotional part of the scene where they're like, you know, we got to bring her back. And they're like, here's the Bertillium. And then, first off, they have an IV going because they mentioned in the very first one that they have D5, chilled D5 going. So why is he going to mainline it as opposed to actually putting it in the IV, first off? Secondly, they're like, oh, you can't give her that. It'll fry her. And so they don't give her the Bertillium and they end up bringing her back completely uh, you know no brain damage apparent no uh, no major issues and of course she's perfectly fine though we should mention Tom since we're medically reviewing the show all these times that we're shocking people at 200 joules 300 joules 360 joules they're shocking a sisterly and as we have talked about before with medical TV shows you cannot shock I mean you can shock a sisterly all you want but you're basically just frying a heart that's laying there as a matter of fact, that does come up in uh, the last scene because they actually do call it V-fib and then they don't shock them. Well, you know. Yeah. So I, and that's what I try and tell people is like she's a meat sack at this point. Like there is <laughs> wow. no. Yeah. I mean, seriously, 200 pounds of ground chuck lay in there. Same thing. Like they weren't doing CPR. They were pushing drugs. There's no movement and they just keep zapping her. Like, I don't know what was the expectation. I, I, I almost at this point am just sick of seeing people do it on television. I don't mean sick, uh, wrong word. 
I just accepted it. Like these fuck knuckles are just going to keep shocking the shit out of a systole. And there's just nothing I can do about it. Yeah. And then Kiefer let that his secret. Oh, oh Hey yeah. guys, <laughs> the reason I have all these scars on my face is because, you know, Billy has been going Mike Tyson on my ass and just whipping my ass every night. I don't want to be alone. And so here's kind of where he does start. He gets funnier. He gets a little darker because I, I would say it's, I think it's yeah. funnier in the dark sense. Like he's not trying to be funny. I just started laughing because he is now getting pissed off because everybody else is bitching. And there is a particular scene. It's about this time um, where he literally had to suture his face because Billy Granite Hands Mahoney tooled him up. And he had to suture his own damn face together. He's scar. He's all man. He is all busted up. And they're like, you didn't tell us and blah, blah, blah. And he finally tees off on their ass. He's like, first of all, and I'm paraphrasing here. He's like him. And he points at Baldwin. He's like, he has to see naked chicks. Boo fucking who? He's like, you, Kevin Bacon, you said something mean to a girl in the fourth grade. Yeah, that's shocker. And then you had to see your daddy. Sad. But did daddy lay hands on your ass every night for the past week? And she's like, nah. And he's like, yeah, brah, tool me up. Okay. So he is getting kind of funny at this point. He is getting pissed off about getting his ass fucked up by Billy, uh, Billy bare hands Mahoney there. It is. It's brutal. Like when you watch it, I'm like, that little kid is man. He is. That so, kid is on point. So Kevin Bacon decides, I know how we can atone our sins. We need to apologize. We need to we need to make it right. So he goes and he apologizes to the little girl that he was mean to. And he takes Kiefer with him because Kiefer doesn't want to be alone <laughs> because, you know, <laughs> he's afraid the Billy Badass is going to come whip his ass some more. <laughs> And apparently Billy's got GPS. I don't know because Billy finds him out at this chick's house and starts trying to go to town with him on a pickaxe or with a pickaxe. Well, he does. Old Billy Teenage Mutant Ninja (laughs) Turtle hands there. Mahoney fucking goes to town on him in the back of that damn military truck with a pickaxe. Like how messed up is that? Like, so Billy is obviously on a mission. You know, at first it was scaring him. And then it was like saying stuff to him and then it was dotting him. Now he's caught at him with a weapon. So Kiefer Sutherland is shit in his pants at this point in time. And he should right, be. Please, yeah. And I think Julia Roberts does it next. And if they atone for their, their sin quote, quote, then they're relieved of that problem. And so they're like, we have to help Kiefer Sutherland find Billy badass Mahoney. And that's when he takes him to a graveyard because that's when the other shoe drops. Keeper Sutherland picked on Billy Mahoney when he's hiding in a tree. He threw a rock at him. Billy Mahoney fell out of the tree. Million dollar babied died right there. And artistic license somehow this director who apparently never saw Turner Hooch. The tree branch lands on Billy's damn dog. So he takes out Billy's dog and Billy at one fail swoop. Exactly. So, Kevin makes up for his sins. Julia is able to hallucinate um, walking on her dad. And uh, basically, he just wanted forgiveness for 
being a heroin addict, apparently. They hug and go on from there. Um, Billy Baldwin, you know, he he doesn't really get to atone for his sins other than he walks into his apartment and his fiance's sitting there and he's like, oh, great, how long have you been here? And she's like, long enough to see all your tapes. Boom. To which he's like, shit. And yeah. yeah, so she walks out, she leaves him. Barely, and that's, that's where it stops, by the way. <laughs> yeah, it's just like <laughs> the writers pretty much go. Yeah, the writers pretty much go, fuck this guy. So, like, oops, we we had him in the movie, we couldn't write his part out, it was too late. But this doesn't change anything for Kiefer Sutherland and old Billy Four Knuckle Mahoney. All right, that dude has got to happen, and he's like, What can I do? Oh, I know. I can go die again. So yeah, Kiefer decides that he's going to put himself under to get back into that state of mind where he initially seen Billy and was throwing rocks at him. Uh, so he wants to get in there to try to atone his sin so that Billy will quit whipping his ass. Yeah. Ballsy. <laughs> so he goes to their, uh, their secret location he draws up some potassium, administers it to himself, throws the nitrous on himself. <laughs> yeah, and, for, for yeah. who knows what day of reason. Well, again, if you're going to go out, you might as well have a little fun with it. Might as well be laughing. Yeah. And uh, so they find him and they decide that, oh, you know what? He's been down nine minutes, which is a pretty significant amount of time with... No oxygen. No no oxygen, <laughs> yeah. no CPR, no brainwave activity. And, and here's where... You, yeah, I was saying, and mind you, in the hallucination, this entire nine minutes, he's getting another personalized Billy Sin tattoo right on his noodle because Billy is going to town again. But this time, Billy is where he was, mm. and he's up in the tree, right? So he's just getting walloped with some rocks. I mean, he's getting straight molly whopped. It's terrible. So he's so, up in the tree getting his ass kicked. And he, he doesn't make amends by apologizing to to the Billy that's, well, that's beating his ass. I love I how I'd apologize too the, after yeah, a week long <laughs> ass beating. <laughs> I'm, I'm sorry. Like whatever it was, I'm really sorry. I didn't mean to whatever it was. I mean, killing yeah. you and your dog. Well, <laughs> I don't know. I'm thinking after an after a week long ass whipping, I'm going to be like, you know, I was the I was the second shooter on the grassy knoll. You know, like I took the Lindbergh baby. Something like whatever it takes for you to quit whipping my ass. I'm going to say it at this point. Yeah, I like how Ben is just cutting out. Like he apologized. No, Billy throwing rocks like Samson Mahoney knocks him out of the tree. He screams all the way to the ground, thud like a skydiver without a parachute. At which point. Billy walks over and he's bleeding from the face. He's like, I'm sorry. And then Billy Snickers looks at him, like gives him the fuck you wink, turns around and walks off with his now dog. So as Kiefer dies in his dreamland, then they bring him back. Oh, and how God. do they bring him back? <laughs> well, they're going to go uh, Pulp Fiction style here. Oh, yeah. They're going to give me four milligrams of atropine intratracheal. Yeah. They take a needle. They go through the cartilage <laughs> in his throat and inject atropine 
intertracheal. So what I'm thinking, Tom, medically. <laughs> Go ahead. Try to justify had to this. Have had, he had to have had a mucus plug or excessive secretions in that small area. Oh, and they really? knew that. So they were trying to use the atrophine to dry the secretions so that the oxygen would be able to flow again. Well, I guess for the first time ever, they've had four, three or four deaths at this point. They finally decide to intubate for once. <laughs> right. And I will, well, he's been I will down say for this. 12 minutes. <laughs> yeah, he's been down 12 <laughs> minutes at this point. Perhaps we should get him some <laughs> yeah. oxygen. How many medical students does it take to kill a person? So <laughs> Four, so, apparently. Yes. So <laughs> Julia Roberts uh, gets out her uh, Miller. She opens up his airway, and she's like, his airway's too tight. I'm like, he's dead. That, it's not. You're not. That's messed up. Right. But at least she had the scope in the right in the correct hand. So that that's a bonus point. So she tried to and then Billy Baldwin for the win. A little cricoid pressure. And they still can't right? get it out. So maybe she did visualize said plug, but I don't think so. It, they end up bringing him back immediately. Well, and oh, Pulp Fiction style, like she stabbed yes. him in the chest and gave him a pericardial injection of um Adrenaline? Was it a what they say? I believe it was, was adrenaline, it? yes. No, or epi. For, I heard epi one time. So I was like, well, well at least epi and adrenaline said it. Same, yeah. Well, yeah, I know, but uh, I'm just saying, like, <clears throat> they're that was screaming after out Kevin adrenaline. Bacon, that was after Kevin Bacon tried to give him several cardiac thumps, apparently. I don't know what he was doing other than yeah. just kind of beating on his chest. I love that. The um I call that the son of a bitch move. You see that in every movie, they're like, You son of a bitch, and they're like hitting him in the chest. I'm <laughs> yeah, like, yep. While I do know one ER doctor that swore by pericardial or uh, precordial thumps, I'm just saying not usually yelling son of a bitch because 12 minutes down with no CPR or oxygen, you should be calling a coroner, <laughs> not, not be doing the rest of that. I but literally they bring said, him back to life. I, I know, but I literally said, what the fuck? When I saw them put the atropine in his trachea, <laughs> I literally just, I'm done. <laughs> what just happened? So they're able to bring him back. They get him back to, you know, spontaneous circulation. And uh, Julia leans down and he whispers in her ear, apparently, that today was not a good day to die. Okay. She straight put her ear to his lips like she was listening to him breathe. So, like, they weren't even using stethoscopes. He was whispering. No. Before that, she did. She leaned over okay. and was like, hold on, because they were getting ready to shock him again. I was like, you got to be shitting me with what I'm seeing here. By the way, the entire time Oliver Platt is in the back with his nerd ass bow tie just saying, oh, my God, that's all he pretty much did the whole movie. So here's my question, Tom. I have to, you know, we've kind of summarized the movie now. And, and so let's talk very briefly because we're kind of getting to the end of this episode. A few things I want to bring up to you for your discussion. What the hell did Oliver Platt, Pratt do that he did not want to go under? What was his sin that he was so scared shitless of that he was like, I don't want to do this now? I don't know if it was so much he had a sin, though that is a very good question. I, I think, think he was a serial killer. He had the bow tie and everything. He did have that bow tie, which makes him suspect. He's wearing a sweater vest and a bow tie. Mm-mm, son, no, 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 no. I've been watching you. Billy, Billy Badass was watching him, too. You know it. Billy's like, I'll dot that motherfucker. 
but <laughs> the I think it was more he was supposed to be the prototypical nerd character in the movie. Like he was a big puss and he was just like, nah. But it does it does beg the question, was there was there a sin? I don't know. I don't think so. I think he was just a sissy. Like a guy that big of a sissy, what could he have possibly done? Ate too many Klondike bars? I mean, well, it couldn't be any worse than Kiefer's. <laughs> no, Kiefer <laughs> fucking killed a person, man. <laughs> like, and that accidentally. Person... Okay, sort correct. Of. Accidentally. No, it was accidentally. Like you could tell he he didn't want to, but that wasn't the intention. But you know, okay. manslaughter's manslaughter, yo. So, I mean, so the second the second thing that I wanted to bring up to you, Tom, and we kind of talked about this a little bit pre-show. I think this was a Fight Club type scenario. I think they were, especially with Kiefer. I think Kiefer was whipping his own ass. Yeah. I think there was no Billy Badass. There was no Billy Four Knuckles. I think. <laughs> It was Kiefer Four Knuckles, and he was whipping his own ass. <laughs> yeah. And then, I think he had brain damage. I think they all had brain damage after they were been they were dead. And so he was hallucinating this happening. the The Jeep scene proves that. No. When Kevin Bacon no. got there, all that was there was Kiefer holding the pickaxe. No. See, this is where I disagree. I think Billy really was coming back. All right. I think old Billy Hoodie with a Boogie Mahoney there <laughs> was was uh he had a mission, right? And you, you so it was like gang war, right? Like Kiefer stepped on his territory. Like he was like, "Bro, this was settled." And then you came and showed your face. So he had to like let him know, right? I think he was. I think the reason you didn't see anything with Kevin Bacon is because Billy Mahoney was only there for Kiefer. Like he was Kiefer's sin. He didn't have anything to do with Kevin Bacon. Kevin Bacon had that weak ass shit with calling a girl a bad name, which by the way, we, we totally surpassed. That's also one of the funniest scenes in the movie. The first time he sees the little girl, she's calling him the names and she lets that shit out in a tirade. Like she lit that dude up verbally. She was the verbal Billy Mahoney. Like she called him everything in the book. <laughs> like, so I don't know why it's funny to watch kids cuss, but it kind of was. Like oh, I, you know, as long as it's not drinking. Oh yeah, straight up. She just lit him up. So I can I can see the argument that this was to yourself, but at the same time, like there was no injuries on his hands. You know, I don't think I think the physical manifestation was happening, but it that sin is their sin to carry. And so fair enough. Fair enough. I think you're wrong, but fair I enough. mean, that's 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 a ton of introspection on a movie that does not require it. So that is true. <laughs> so one of the other things that I found interesting, Tom, that I wanted to just mention briefly was the writers and actors of this movie also uh, took advantage of Peter Filardi's research of published accounts from people who'd had near death experiences Almost all accident victims had reported a tunnel leading to a beautiful white light and friendly voices, whereas people who had attempted suicide and had near-death experiences had troubled, emotionally painful near-death experiences. So perhaps that's why all of their experiences were painful, was because 
they were basically physician assisted suicide before it was cool, I guess. Yeah. I mean, and I could see that. I could see you saying, well, yeah, you have to deal with those sins or atone for those sins. And maybe that's ultimately what it's like. uh, It's about is you have to pay for it now or later. And and if that's what they're trying to get at, okay, I get it. Um, But realistically, yeah, they were, it, it wasn't an accident. It wasn't a stroke. Like they were choosing to go to the other side. And exactly. so that's why they were paying for it. Okay. Um, yeah. See, that's what I think too. So, all right. Well, in order to pay homage to our uh, buddies over at Pop Psych 101, the way they always end their show is they do a rating and they do it on, uh, Ryan will do a rating of uh, mental health accuracy, per- the portrayal of whatever they're discussing. And then Mike will do it based on just the enjoyment of the movie. But Tom, I think that you and I can just do both of them. So medical accuracy for me, and they usually use something funny each time that they do it that attributes to... And we should give it context. Well, it's a scale, like zero to five. Yeah. So we're going to do a zero to five uh, for medical accuracy. And so for medical accuracy, I'm going to use Bertillium injections. (laughs) (laughs) And so I'm going to give this for accuracy... We're going to go with two, two out of five for uh, two Bertillium injections out of five for medical accuracy. Because there was some parts that were somewhat accurate, uh, but a lot of it was not. So, Tom, how would you uh, rate it medically? Do I have to use the injections? Because I have. No, you can use your own. Okay. So I'm going to go with defibs. Okay. Yeah, right. Or defib paddles. And I am only giving them one defib paddle for accuracy because even the times uh, the only reason they're even getting one is because they actually you know said words like defib you know or jewels like at least they didn't say volts um you know something like that but other than the fact that they were just randomly saying words that may or may not even be involved in a resuscitation um they didn't use them in any correct sense of the manner like sodium bicarb okay. yes we use sodium bicarb at a certain point in a resuscitation attempt if needed it certainly isn't the first thing so i give them one fair enough okay so for enjoyment i'm going to again we're gonna do the zero to five scale i'm gonna say just pure enjoyment i'm gonna give it a 4.5 flat lines for uh, enjoyment, because I really did enjoy it. It's my first time watching it. Um, I would probably watch it again. I I, I really did enjoy the movie. So, I, how would you I rate too, it for enjoyment? I too would watch it again, especially if it was like uh, my wife or somebody wanted to watch it. I'm like, yeah, sure, I'll throw it on there. Or nothing else is on TV, and that's all that. Sure, I would do that. Um, I'm gonna go with uh, Billy Mahoney Knuckles for my rating. I knew you were, I knew well. you were going there. <laughs> so I'm actually gonna give it four Billy Mahoney Knuckles. Um, again, four I four knuckle Mahoney, uh, four knuckle keeper, four knuckle Mahoney. Um, I really did like it. Like it certainly doesn't deserve to me higher than that. Just because there were so many things like the repelling out of the window, like it just sticks in my head. Like why the or the buildings? Like there's literally a Liberty, a statue head the size of the Statue of Liberty head, like that big in this like auditorium area where they're doing it. I'm like, nah, something's nice. But the premise of the movie, the actors and the acting and actually stuff, I actually really enjoyed. So, by the way, here's a little side tidbit. 
and I just now thought about this, the guy who played her dad, Julia Roberts' dad, that actor, also played Kevin Costner's dad in Field of Dreams. Really? I didn't realize that. Yeah, this guy got really typecast as dead dad guy. (laughs) (laughs) He was, he had that shit locked down. So, (laughs) I mean, it was like, it's terrible, but I mean, he had it. So, just throwing that out there. I thought that was interesting. But, um, like I said, overall enjoyable movie if you can completely disassociate yourself from any medical knowledge. Fair enough. On that note, let's wrap this episode up So we've went way long. This is our raw, uncut, unedited episode. You get to hear everything just as we said it. No cutting anything out. So if you enjoyed this, let us know. Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, all at Just Some Podcast. Website, www.justsomepodcast.com. Our email, admin at justsomepodcast.com. If you kind of like the premise of this episode, certainly let us know. If you do like to hear some mental health aspects, we would highly recommend that you check out our buddies over at Pop Psych 101, where they talk about this kind of stuff every single week. We want to give a huge thank you to Kevin McLeod over at Incompetech.com. If you need music for your podcast, event, or show, go check out his website, Incompetech.com. Also, a huge thank you to Falcon 5.0 for always allowing us to use their music for our intro and our outro. On that note... Tom, I think it's time for us to get out of here, man. I agree. All right. I hope everybody has a wonderful week. And everybody stay safe out there. I still think you're wrong. I was watching <laughs> Well, that's why I love I worked at Macaroni Grill. Yeah, I labor with my bare hands. I had a girl who didn't feel optimistic for my future plans. That's a trouble that you get when you just can't admit that all girls want her bank accounts, muscles, and big dicks. That's all really think. But I think that things will never change.